clear most of the thoughts and intentions. And then, as it says in verse 13, that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give accounts. And we talked a little bit about that. And I love uh, what Martin Luther does when he says about this transition between verse 13 and verse uh, 14. Uh, Martin Luther says, after terrifying us, the apostle now comforts us. The writer of Hebrews does. Uh, he comforts us with these words now about our great high priest, as he says. And so let's read this and take a look at it. Hebrews uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorance and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him, who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he said, or says also in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Well, as we get started with this, uh, the first thing to point out is there are many ideas here that the writer of Hebrews is going to come back to. And so we're going to spend some more time contemplating those ideas a little bit later on. Uh, we'll, we'll spend enough time so we can understand context today. But some of these ideas that uh, I want to come back to that, that are brought up here uh, is the idea of the ascension. You see that in, in chapter 4, verse 14, uh, passing through the cloud or through the heavens, uh, talks about uh, the ascension of Jesus, which is a, a great part of what Jesus did and often overlooked. And I didn't want to spend time on that, but it gets brought up again or mentioned uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 8 and 9 and 10. There'll be, there'll be plenty of opportunities to come back to the ascension. And, and it is important that we do that. 
suffering and about his death. And Peter uh, pulled him aside. Peter took him aside and rebuked Jesus. He said, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And you can almost see what Peter is saying there. Look what we've done, Jesus. Look what you're doing. You're casting out demons. You're healing people. You've got all this power. This will never happen to you. And Jesus' response on this is really interesting. Jesus responds by saying, get behind me, Satan. setting your mind on the things of God and on the things of man. He spoke to Jesus. He said, this is why we read of Jesus praying so often in the gospel. He was a human who was tempted with everything that we were tempted by, including power that Peter was talking about, including the self-preservation that Peter was talking about. And then all of these are tempted by. And then when he got to testify in the garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus went to the cross, as he was he was praying, there was the, the, the temptation to abandon this mission at its highest level. And the writer of Hebrews is talking about that in verse 7 of chapter 5, when he talks about the prayers and the supplications with loud cries and tears. He said, loud cries and tears. He's asking the Father, is there any other way we can do this? Is there anything else that can be done? As crying, we don't like to think of Jesus this way, crying. Shouting out, I love how Philip Hughes uh, writes about it. And it's somewhat of a, a long quote, but let me quote Philip Hughes. He says, But now in the garden, the moment has come in his self identification with mankind to plumb human depravity and fallenness to its very depths as he prepares in all his innocence and purity to submit himself. Second death, this death of judgment, the horrifying experience. 
experience of separation from and judgment of God. And it leads to that terrible cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? John Calvin writes, he saw the curse of God and the necessity to wrestle with the total sum of human guilt and the very powers of darkness themselves. He could see that coming. And there were loud cries and tears. And he went back. Once again, Philip Hughes writes, in a real but deeply mysterious manner, which no words of man can explain, the incarnate Son, as he hung on the cross, endured the desolating anguish of being torn away from his Father. Sinless, judge, the wrath of God upon him. with loud cries, came with many tears. He writes,
to 